Hey there, and welcome to the North County Beat. This is a bi-weekly podcast from the Coast News Group, dropping every other Friday. Today is March 6th. We've got a lot to cover following Super Tuesday elections, so we're going to dive right in. But before we do, we'd like to thank Cox Communications for supporting the North County Beat. Their Gigablast internet services are perfect for streaming, gaming, and video chatting on all of your devices. You can learn more at cox.com. All right, now let's roll up our sleeves and take a look at the top headlines in North County from these past two weeks, starting with the local Super Tuesday election results. Following former Republican Representative Duncan Hunter's resignation from his House seat in the 50th Congressional District, Democrat Amar Campanajar and Republican Darrell Issa will likely head to a November runoff election based on preliminary primary election results. A total of nine candidates, mostly Republicans, attempted to grab a top spot in the traditionally conservative 50th Congressional District. Campanajar currently holds approximately 35% of the vote, while Issa, the former Republican member of the U.S. House, who represented California's 49th Congressional District for several years, currently holds about 24% of the vote. Despite Campanajar's lead, Issa is expected to receive a significant boost from Republican voters in November. Moving to the 49th District, Democratic incumbent Mike Levin currently holds a comfortable lead over Republican challenger San Juan Capistrano Mayor Brian Marriott in what was projected to be a tight primary race in the 49th Congressional District. Levin, who flipped the seat after nearly 20 years of Republican control following former Representative Darrell Issa's retirement, has 55% of the votes and is looking to hang on to the same blue wave momentum that catapulted him into the House seat in 2018. Marriott is currently trailing with around 44% of the votes at the time of this recording. Candidates for District 3 County Supervisor also faced off in Tuesday's election. Republican incumbent Kristen Gaspar ran away with the primary win, advancing to the general election this fall. Democrat Tara Lawson-Reamer, a former President Barack Obama official, was leading Escondido Councilwoman Olga Diaz by more than 4,000 votes, making her the likely challenger to Gaspar in November. The District 3 supervisor represents Del Mar to Encinitas and inland to Escondido and even MCAS Miramar. As of March 4th, the Registrar of Voters said there were 350,000 ballots outstanding. Now let's talk about ballot measures. There were a few big ones from this Super Tuesday election, including two countywide measures that did not pass as of the time of this recording. Measure A would have required a public vote for major changes to the county general plan in rural and semi-rural areas. If the measure had succeeded, developers building more than six homes in these areas would have needed voter approval first. Measure B, which also failed, would have greenlit the Newland Sierra project. This was a planned community in one of these rural areas north of San Marcos and Escondido and just west of the 15 freeway. It was originally approved by the County Board of Supervisors, but a petition from opponents got the project up for a vote on the March ballot. Since it did not pass, the Newland Sierra project is no longer approved. Locally, in Oceanside, Measure K overwhelmingly did not pass, with 74% of voters voting no on a measure that would have had the city manager appoint the city clerk and treasurer. Those positions will continue to be voted on by the people and elected to four-year terms. In Delmar, voters came out against Measure G, with 58% voting no on a zoning change that would greenlight the Marisol Initiative. This is the proposed resort that was set to be built on mostly vacant bluff land at the corner of Highway 101 
and Via de la Valle. A grassroots group of Del Mar and Solana Beach residents actively protested this resort plan. Spencer Gobar of Solana Beach was one of these organizers. There's no way to completely throw yourself at this type of cause if you thought you were going to fail. And all the sentiments from all of the neighbors and just everyone on the street who we were encountering, it was pretty evident that people were against it. In a February interview, Marisol Project lead and Zephyr VP Ryan Harrell said the firm would move forward with residential homes if the measure failed. Five, five of those uh, lots are already approved by Planning Commission. We can go forward with those and then get the other lot approvals. Stay tuned for more updates on that project as they unfold. Okay, now moving away from elections, Oceanside's beaches are getting their facelifts soon. The $12 million Beachfront Improvements Project begins next month, and it's been racking up quite a bill. It's about twice as much as originally expected. Still, the city is able to cover their bases through state grant money and other local funds. The improvements are south of the beach amphitheater and will include, among other things, a new ocean viewing area, a new police substation, and improvements to the Betty's Lot parking lot, which will include a building for restrooms and storefronts. Expected completion is October of 2021. A wall outside of the San Diego Children's Discovery Museum in Escondido is going to get a bit more fun this spring. They've got a contest going to find two mural designs that will fill up a 20 by 16 foot canvas outside of the museum. Our uh, jury is composed of different museum professionals, so we have a really exciting partnership with the California Center for the Arts. We're also partnering with the Escondido Arts Partnership. On our jury, we'll also welcome high school students from a local high school here in Escondido. That's Juliet Bresson marketing director at the Children's Museum. I called her up to learn more about that contest and its ties to the community. Tell me about this contest, so why you guys decided to host it and, you know, who can participate. Yeah, so um, we are San Diego Children's Discovery Museum. We're located in Escondido in a prominent location, really, of downtown Escondido. So we're right across from Great Great Bay Park, City Hall, and the Center for the Arts. Um, we see about... 170,000 visitors coming through our doors each year, and a lot more drive past us on North Broadway every day. So I think we see up to 19,000 vehicles per day on North Broadway. So we really saw a great opportunity to use our building as a platform for artists and community to engage in meaningful conversations. What types of artists can submit work? Is it local, or are you guys opening it up? We're really opening it up so anyone who's a U.S. resident who is over 18 years old can participate. So you don't have, you know, we're really hoping that professional artists will participate. Um, you know, some or amateur artists are welcome to enter as well. We're really wanting this to be a community-led effort and participation. And the theme is the joy of being outside. So why did you pick that? How did that conversation happen? That's a really great question. I think what's really neat is that obviously this is right outside of our building and we really wanted to engage in conversations outside of our walls. I think, you know, we see, um, we know the families that come to our doors, but we really wanted to extend the conversation beyond that. The museum itself focuses a lot of its programming on environmental consciousness. Uh, you know, we have an entire outdoor area where kids can play and really participate in a lot of different hands-on activities. But we really wanted to um, bring a meaningful conversation to the community. The, the jury, through this theme of the joy of being outside, is interested in artworks that explore the unique feelings of freedom, hope, and joy that are, that are characteristic of childhood. 
and that are often found in relationship with the outdoors. So the questions that we want to ask um, are, you know, what does a child's fearless connection to the land mean? Um, and artists are encouraged to reflect on environmental stewardship and education and submit artworks that really spark reflection and conversation. So, like, do you have your dream mural in mind yet, or are you just kind of looking at the submissions and you're going to see what comes <laughs> in? Uh, so, no, I, you know, I don't really have a dream mural in place, which I think is probably best for the artists yeah. that are um, that are submitting. I think it's really important to give the artists some freedom in what they're submitting. Um, I think, you know, my personal vision for this is to have something that's really thought-provoking and interesting that, you know, encourages people to have a conversation about, wow, you know, what do you think that means and, um, you know, what does that, how does that make you feel? And I think that's true for any art and, um, you know, specifically with younger children, I think these conversations come very naturally no matter what you're showing them. There's always, there are always different thoughts that come up, come to mind. So uh, I'm interesting, interested to see what those conversations are, but no, I don't really have, you know, a set vision in mind. I don't think the jury does either, and I think that's a really important part of the process, actually. The jury that Brezen mentioned earlier will select the final 10 entries and then toss it to the public for a vote to decide on the top two. You can catch the first design on display from May to October, and the second one goes up in November. For more local headlines happening in your neighborhood and around North County, make sure you check out the Coast News Print Edition, We've also got an inland edition for our friends who are further east of the five. Those hit the stands every Friday, so make sure you check them out. Although the weather is pretty great year-round here in Southern California, we can safely say that it is the beginning of the end of our winter. As spring washes in and more North County folks are getting out and about, I took a look at one outdoor hobby that's actually pretty common throughout the county. Backyard beekeeping. How long have you been doing this? Well, off and on, probably for almost 20 years. Most recently, it's been the last six or so that I started keeping bees. Wes Leffingwell lives in Encinitas, and he's been interested in bees for about 50 years now. Primarily for the, the flowers and the plants that are in the yard, plus anybody else's that get benefit, great. <laughs> the retired dentist went from extracting teeth to extracting honey from his two backyard beehives. Now you got the lid on. So when I pull this out, I don't see any storage going on. They do the typical buzzing around business. On a Sunday, Leffingwell gets suited up from head to toe and steps past the tall hedge that divides his driveway from the luscious side yard. He approaches a table-like structure covered with several wooden boxes surrounded by tiny black and yellow insects buzzing about, hard at work on this beautiful afternoon. One of the first things I look for is parasites and then the queen. Right. And then what is in it? Is it honey? Is it brood? Is it... Every one to two weeks, he checks these bee colonies for mites, parasites, wax moths, and any other species posing a threat to his team. It can be a lot of work, but Leffingwell is invested. If you make a commitment to do this, then you've made a commitment to do it. Currently, there are around 250 registered beekeepers in San Diego County. While the county has rules for keeping bees, cities also have their own policies. So it's important to check your local laws when you want to get started. 
In Encinitas, backyard beekeeping got easier in 2015, when city council allowed hives to be kept in more densely populated neighborhoods. As a former beekeeper himself, Councilman Tony Kranz facilitated that shift that got those changes in motion. But as somebody that was on the council, I thought it was important that if I wanted to keep bees, that we should make that legal. And it is now legal to have two hives in Encinitas in the zone that we're currently in. So um, it's, it's nice, I think, to have that legality about it. Okay, now I have a confession. Bees freak me out. They're not going to get me, right, if I'm like standing here. No, they won't get my helmet. Right? A lot. <laughs> we are totally safe in our outfits, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, unless you got a hole in it or something. Oh, no. Needless to say, I remained pretty frozen in my spacesuit slash bee suit that entire time I was out there. Really, I only moved to get a better angle or to flick a bee off my glove. Sorry, I'm so sorry, you're getting distracted. I'll have to ask you again about this when we're not you're fine. surrounded by bees. So given my slightly overdramatic reaction to these bees, what I really wanted to know was why people wanted to do this. Bees are trendy. It's fashionable right now. James McDonald is the owner of the Encinitas Bee Company, a bee removal service in Encinitas. He's a huge bee guy, and he even went into the hives without a suit just his helmet. So yeah, pretty intense. The trendiness of bees that he described isn't the only reason people are getting started. There's the honey, of course, the opportunity to outbreed more aggressive Africanized bees, and most noticeably, they get healthier plants. You know, they're pollinating all these flowers and plants. Oh, I got this great story. It is a true story. In, in Rancho Santa Fe, this person bought an avocado grove. No avos! We spent years and just gave up, sold it for nothing, and this man just can't put one beehive in the center laden with fruit. And this is definitely a labor of love, since tending to bees is no easy task. Starting a colony can cost up to $1,000 for materials like wooden frames, protective suits, and tools. It takes ample time and research to know exactly what you're looking for when you check the hives, and folks need to be consistent with it. Connor Kelly, McDonald's son and an employee with Encinitas Bee Company, says a lot of people don't realize all that goes into it. Because no one wants to have to put on a bee suit and come out here and check it once a month. You know, no one wants to have to do that. They just yeah. want to. They just. They want to put the box there and they want to come collect honey when it's honey time. And it's just not how it works, you know. For those interested in beekeeping, there are ways to make sure that you do it safely and successfully. McDonald says the best way to start beekeeping is by reading some intro books, attending San Diego Beekeeping Society meetings and shadowing a more experienced beekeeper. No one wants to beekeep on their own. Find another beekeeper, post on it, say, I want to be a tag-along. I want to come follow you around. I take them all the time. And if you're worried about getting stung, well, much to my dismay, Leffingwell says that's just the nature of the game. Well, it's gonna happen no matter what, you're gonna get tagged. No matter what, there's one of them, yeah. like I had one, I had a hole right here. It got snagged and, and there was a bee flutter and holy crap, there's a bee in here, you know? And so, yeah, I'm looking at this thing, don't sting me, you know? Yeah. But I was putting out fear vibes and it did sting me. And they, they pick up on that so they smell it. And for non-bee people who live near beekeepers, McDonald's says to steer clear of dangerous pesticides on your garden. They'll harm the bees and then eventually the state of neighborhood plants. You can also keep a more natural looking lawn 
and focus on growing plants that bloom at different times of the year so the bees always have some food. Now get to it, busy bees. Oh, by the way, to learn more about backyard beekeeping, check out my piece in the Home and Gardens issue of the Coast News. That's out towards the end of March, and it will be jam-packed full of interesting stories and content on what's happening in the home and garden space. That's all we have for this week's episode of the North County Beat. We had a ton of fun going over election results with you and catching you up on what's happening in our area. We'll be back to do it all again on Friday, March 20th. In the meantime, get your hands on the print edition of the paper, staying up to date with all that's going on. Before we go, we've got a couple of thank yous. Contributing reporters Samantha Nelson and Hua Kwok. Our editor-in-chief is Jordan Ingram. Our associate publisher is Chris Kidd. And our publisher is Jim Kidd. I'm Kelly Kyle. Thank you so much for listening and have a great weekend. We will talk to you soon.